Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on arsblog.com. Today coming at you with a special pre-match preview for Arsenal's daunting but very exciting trip to Barcelona in the Champions League on Tuesday evening. The first game for them in this year's group stage and it's the first year that the Women's Champions League has a group stage, well at least for a good 15 years or so when it used to be the Women's UEFA Cup, I think it had a group stage, but it now apes the men's competition. So we have, so Arsenal will have six group games um, and their first one, nice easy one away at Barcelona. And we figured that that required just a short kind of preview pod because this is a, a, a huge game and a hugely exciting game. Uh, I'm flying out to Barcelona to cover it. So you'll get great coverage as ever on Ask Blog News. And you can watch it wherever you are in the world, basically on Dazone's YouTube channel, completely free. Um, no subscription required. Just go to Dazone's YouTube channel and you will be able to watch that game on Tuesday evening. It's an eight o'clock kickoff UK time. Barcelona v Arsenal. Wow. And who better to discuss Barcelona v Arsenal with than uh, our co-host and resident Barcelona and Arsenal expert, Alex Ibaceta. Alex, good evening. Good evening. I feel like a little kid counting down to Christmas Day. I promise you, I've been, I've been, I know it's the whole like group stage that begins, but for me, it's just like Barcelona Arsenal. That's the one I'm, I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about. I, I'm expecting to lose, to be honest. Um, you know, maybe you'll be able to give us a glimmer of hope at some point, but I, I'm kind of, I'm really viewing it as a free swing, um, to be honest, for Arsenal. In your view, though. Do Arsenal, um, honestly, do Arsenal have any chance of a result here in your view? I can't say no because I can't say there's not like any chance. Like I would probably say it's a low chance that they would win. Um, But I think it's going to be a lot more, I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um, Or at least that's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) I'm hoping it's not just going to be a blowout. But the thing with Arsenal-Barcelona is that I think Arsenal play to a lot of Barcelona's weaknesses more than maybe Chelsea or perhaps another team would, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've made it really clear in, in the opening games of the season that Jonas really wants to play through the wings in their attack and he wants to bring the ball in from the wings, give the ball to a person like Beth Mead, have her hold the ball up and then just wait for the support and just kind of play on from there. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but the wings are Barcelona's weakness. Um, and let's just let me just say that that Barcelona's weakness is merely just the weakest part of the pitch. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily a weakness. Um, it's a relative term, basically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When you when you put it the standard to to perhaps maybe other teams, it's not necessarily a weakness, but it is the weakest part of the pitch. Um, and we've seen a lot of teams get at them via that. 
Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Arsenal have a realistic chance of potentially scoring, I think. Um, whether it would be enough to win, I would say probably not. Um, but I think it should be a good game. I don't think Arsenal are just going to be completely out of the game. Um, I think it can, they can definitely hold the fort down at least for one or two goals. But we'll see if we'll see if it happens. Yeah, yeah, and we should um, iterate for for listeners perhaps who aren't um, enormously familiar. Um, Barcelona are the, the reigning champions of Europe. Europe, they broke Leon's stranglehold. And they beat Chelsea four nil in the final um, on the way to, to winning. That, huh? Well, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm just being professional and telling people um, that they were four nil up after 30 minutes um, against Chelsea, which was uh, wonderful, um, and they absolutely walked uh, the Spanish league. So perhaps for people who don't know Barcelona that well um, or only have a vague notion of the Malik's, what are their biggest strengths? And what kind of team are they? What kind of football do they play? So Alexia Poteas is the biggest strength. Obviously, um, I say that very jokingly, but very seriously, she did win UEFA's Player of the Year. And I think that's an accolade that's been kind of swerving her name for a very, very long time. She's been a very, very good player. Um, But now just winning the Champions League and kind of putting her on that pedestal, I think it's finally the time for like her reign to begin. Um, but no, she plays for those, yeah, for listeners who don't really know about Alexia Podeas, she plays as a 10, essentially. Um, the way Barca plays with a holding midfielder in two kind of eight and a 10. Um, that would be Alexia and Aitana Bonmati. Um, Alexia usually left and Aitana on the right. And they kind of, they know how to shift really well between one playing the 10, one playing the eight. Um, but Alexia likes to attack a lot. Um, if off the top of my head, if I remember correctly, I think she finished last season with 17 goals. Mm. something along those lines and she's a number 10 um, that's kind of a striker's number there um so she's kind of she's just one of the best all-around players i think that there is in the world right now um technically she's outstanding her first touch is ridiculous her first time passes are ridiculous it's just like i saw her i went to Barcelona a few weeks ago and i finally saw her play in person and it's it's the little things that she does in the lead up to play it's those first time passes over the top of someone. It's a cheeky nutmeg inside the box. Uh, the other day she scored a hat trick in six minutes. Um, and it wasn't just like easy tap-ins. I guess it was an easier game, but her first goal was a nutmeg in inside the box and then a first-time finish into the far into the far post. Second one was a... It was almost like... not. It wasn't as good as Katie McCabe's goal as it was this weekend, <laughs> but it was very similar. It was almost from the halfway line. She just chipped the keeper and it went in. Um, so she's very she's a very abnormal player when you look at how good she is. It's ridiculous. Um, but then in Barcelona as a whole, I think pers- personally, I think they have the best midfield in the world between Patria Aitana and, and her. Um, merely individually, they all they all grew up in Barcelona, so they all have that tiki taka style play. You know, they grew up with Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, <laughs> and you know you have players like Xavi and and all these midfield players to look up to. So they have. They kind of like they're they're the new embodiment of that style of play, and they work really really well together and just individually, tactically, and um, technically amazing, perfect. So that midfield it would be kind of the biggest strength, and that's not even talking about the wingers and the attacking players that Barcelona have. I mean, everywhere on the pitch, as we mentioned, you know, um, their fullbacks are probably the weakest players because in centre back you have Mati Leon and Irene Paredes. Now on the wingers you have Mariona Lique Martins, um, now Friedrich Narolfo. And as you see, through the middle, like it's absolutely ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of who they are without going into a lot of, lot of detail. Basically, there are some of the best players in the world at the moment individually. And then you add on to that how well they play together as a group and understand each other. Um, and then on top of that, you add the Pep Guardiola's very beautiful style of play um, all into one package. And that is Barcelona women at the moment. Yeah, and of course, they've added in- Ingrid Engen to that midfield as well from Wolfsburg. And uh, I, I, I don't watch nearly as much of Barcelona as you do, but like I'd probably say, you know, the Barcelona uh, Femini rough guide, imagine like what Barcelona men were, like you said, in under like 2009 to 2011. I think that's what we're talking about, um, essentially, in, in terms of the women's game, just like not just the best team out there, but the, the team that are just playing football, I, I don't think has really been seen in women's football before, even by a team like Lyon. I want to refer. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how they've started this season because I want to make everyone feel bad. Um, but I want to read a quote from Jonas Eideval actually in in his post match uh, press conference for Aston Villa. Uh, someone from Sky asked him about Barcelona, and you know they basically asked the question: Does this is this really going to show you where Arsenal are? And his first line was, "Well, yeah, when you play the best team in the world, it gives you a good idea of where you are." Um, But he actually kind of said unprompted. He launched a kind of defence, I think, of the Spanish league because Barcelona really walked it um, last year. And, uh, I mean, very nearly went unbeaten. Lost the game once they'd already won it, um, I think. But obviously the Spanish league is bigger. It has more teams. And I think there's, there's a perception that it's not a very strong league. But I'll just read his quote. He says, you see the results they have in their league and you think it's a bad league, but it's not. Real Madrid beat Manchester City in the Champions League qualifier and they've they've almost not won a league game yet. The Spanish league is much better than people think. You look at the Spanish national team at every age group. They are either winning or in the finals of tournaments. It's a very competitive league and what Barcelona, Barcelona are doing is very, very impressive. So um, first of all, your kind of take on the strength of the, the Spanish league and secondly... Can you give us a little bit of a flavour to depress us all about how they've started this season? Well, I think it goes without, without saying. I just did the math really quickly there. And last season, they won the league by 25 points. And on as you mentioned, Tim, it was almost an unbeaten season. Um, it was just one game towards the end of the season. And yeah, it's just... I mean, it was still a draw, so they didn't lose. Um, but it was still just like a kind of... Yeah, just... it. it didn't really fit right as that I think pretty sure that was after winning the Champions League as well um so it was kind of the last thing on the list to kind of check off um but on paper it does sound really bad the fact that they won the league by 25 points ahead of second place but I do agree that it's the Spanish league is very underrated in the sense that and I think that's where the whole thing about not knowing how good Barcelona are because when you look at it, if you if you don't really follow the Spanish league or watch any of the games, when you look at a team winning the league by 25 points, you're like, oh, like it's not that good. But Barcelona won that league by that amount of points because they are that good. Mm. I mean, just simply that, like, I don't even know. <laughs> there's there's no way to explain it. They're just that, that good that they're able to win the league by 25 points. Um, but when you look at the Spanish league, I think it is very underrated. I think even the smaller teams at Barcelona are beating 8-0, 9-1, as they have been in the beginning of the season that we'll probably talk about in a bit. These teams aren't bad. Like They're still able to score against Barcelona. 
Um, Barcelona, yes, then scored like nine goals against them. But <laughs> the league itself, it's a very different style of play than than England and the WSL. I think what's underrated about the Spanish league is that everyone's really technical, um, very technically smart, very tactically smart. Um, when you look at a team like Levante, who finished second place last season, I mean, that's huge. Um, most, a lot of their players, there was one player on loan from Barcelona and a lot of their players, like Onabayir, for example, who obviously plays at Manchester United, they all came from La Masia. So they all grew up together playing the Barcelona style play. And even if they didn't play that Barcelona style play, I think Barcelona has a lot of influence over all the players in that league, if that mm. makes sense. So that same style of play of take the ball, pass the ball, keep possession, but useful possession in, in going forward. And that whole tactic of just being really, really intelligent with the way that you play. I think that's spread over the league overall. You really see it. Um, so I find that really interesting. Per, like just as like someone who just loves football, I think their league is a bit technically superior to the WSL at the moment, um, which brings in all the good games. It's not about, you know, it's not about having the good players. It's about just knowing what you have as a team and being able to play to that. So I think, not not to sound like mean or anything, but I think they're just a lot smarter in the way that they play mm. um, compared to other leagues. And I think that's the underrated bit. And maybe the why it's so competitive, just because everyone knows how to play against each other with the players that they have. Um, but then, yeah, talking on Barcelona start of the season, 9-1, 10-0. I don't even want to count how many goals they've scored it's actually ridiculous. Yeah, Alexa with the hat trick in six minutes. Um, so this is under a new coach also, but mm-hmm. it, it's not really that big of a difference because he was Luis Cortes's um, assistant. So it's not really a huge, huge change, but I think it's been a good change in terms of mentality and, and kind of the mood around the team. Because at the end of Luis Cortes's kind of reign, it wasn't really the greatest environment to be in. Um, so I think to potentially refresh it just a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're, they're starting the season. I mean, they've started just where they left off, if I'm being honest. And against Villarreal, which was, I think, the last match day before this weekend, um, they decided to play Frido Rolfo um, as a left back, um, because why not? Yeah, um, yeah. So you have things like that. I mean, the things that they could do with their squad, the things that they do in the league is just absolutely ridiculous. I'm pretty sure... If I do remember off the top of my head, they were 1-0 down at one point and they ended up winning that game 9-1. So it's just, there's no words for this Barcelona side. So yeah, sorry to Arsenal that they have to go up against this. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, yeah, again, we'll probably get into it, but it's not completely hopeless for Arsenal, but it is just, it's one of those times that you can't really get mad about losing because the opposition is just really, 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 really good. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, I'm very much considering it a free swing, not least because I don't think either of the other teams um, in the group will take any points off of them either. Um, So if if we could get one point out of the six, I mean, I think that would put Arsenal through, um, essentially. Um, What's kind of interesting to me as well is the dichotomy at the moment between the men's and women's team, because the men's side at the moment is in total and utter disarray. And I think it's been obvious for the last couple of years that if you want to watch proper Barcelona football, you watch the women's team rather than the men's team. Um, I, I guess I'd ask why it is, in your opinion, that the women's team is, is the kind of leading light at the moment. But also, I mean, I've seen some suggestion because obviously Barcelona, uh, the club, are in some financial trouble. 
and whether there's any rumblings about whether that will make its way down to the women's team at any point and whether that will affect the funding. Yeah, it's been everyone's concern since the financial problems have kind of arised. I don't think I personally haven't heard much on how much it would affect the women's team. Um, but even when that whole uh, Super League thing was going on, um, I think the women's team were just in their own little bubble. Um, not just like not consciously, just like in general, I think they're very occupied on what they're doing and whatever the men's doing there. I think they might be trusting people to kind of not let it affect them, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, Cause when you ask the players, maybe it was media rehearsed answers, but they really, they didn't seem to really be that worried. Um, I mean, I would assume off the pitch, they're definitely asking the questions and stuff, but I think they didn't look too worried and they were able to kind of focus on what they were doing. Um, so I think it might be the same now, but in terms of men and women, it's kind of similar to what's happening at Arsenal also. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look so- at all the comments, um, like Viv Miedema, is she available this weekend against Brighton? You're just like stuff like that, which is kind of funny. Um, but I think also... A big factor to this Barcelona side, in, like Barcelona women's side in particular, was that a lot of the players came up through La Masia, um, yep. so they have that core and obviously free players. Um, so financially, this team really isn't expensive like at all, um, which is really impressive. Also, but I think yeah, the way the the club happens and everything, they've poured in a lot of money to the women's side, which is really good to see. I mean, just before the Johan Cruyff Stadium was built, they were they were playing in the training ground. Um, mm. I mean, it was ridiculous when you see like, when you Lika <laughs> Martin signed for the club and she has to go play in a training ground um, where the men train, like it sounds a bit ridiculous. Um, but I think they've, they've invested a lot. They build a new stadium for the woman and the academy. Um, the women get a lot of, you know, they get to fly on planes to their match. They get all the same treatment, you know, really high quality hotels. So the money into the women's team has it's a domino effect down the line. They're able to just focus on the woman um, on just playing and stuff. And they're probably one of the only, I can't say it for sure, but I know that not every single club in Primera Iberdrola that is fully professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so Barcelona were one of the big ones that are fully professional and their, their players on full contracts, full salaries and stuff. So it's just been, it's been ongoing for years, but yeah, between the men and women, I think the women have, have gained the style of play and, and the men have kind of lost it a little bit. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that point about a lot of their players coming from La Masia, like this this is not a Chelsea Man City Arsenal thing. This is not an expensively assembled squad. This is, you know, again like that Pep Guardiola team, really. Um the other thing I wanted to ask actually is in last year's Champions League, they played both of the other kind of WSL teams from the Champions League in Man City, and I don't know if we mentioned that they beat Chelsea 4-0 um, in the final, but I think we should put that on record just in case. But but Manchester City, I mean, obviously the final against Chelsea was a one-off game, whereas Man City was over two legs. Now, I think Barcelona were very worthy winners against Manchester City, but I think, City, well, definitely City did much better against uh, Barcelona than Chelsea did. Why do you think that was? Um, was it something to do with City's style, their game plan? Or do you think Chelsea just had like a bit of a bad day on the final as well as being the underdogs? I mean, I think we can all say, even myself included, I must admit that we probably expected Chelsea to do a lot better. Um, I remember all the previews. It was, when you look at the way that Chelsea was playing, you look at the way that Barcelona are playing, you look at the players on both sides, it could have gone it could have gone either way. Like no matter who you like, no matter who you support, you just had to admit that this is such a good matchup that it can go either way. And obviously a 4-0 win in in 30 minutes wasn't really predicted. Um, But I think, I think the final against Chelsea was mentally a lot different than the game against Man City. Because obviously the last time Barcelona won the Champions League, they lost 4-0 to Lyon. Um, And kind of since from that final loss to this final win, every single interview with the player that you would talk about the Champions League is we need to revenge ourselves again, that we need to win the Champions League. And everything they did in the Champions League was to get to that final and was to win that final. So against Chelsea, I think it was a bit more mentally than it was footballistically, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you look at the goals against Chelsea. Yes, the first one was a penalty. The, the first one was a fluke. You know, Frank Kirby tried to clear it. Second one was a penalty, but everything surrounding those two goals was incredible. Lika Martins just out dribbled um, Chelsea, just cut in, took a shot and hit off the post. And then obviously Frank Kirby tried to clear it and it it just bounced off. Someone went in even the second penalty. It was um, a penalty against Jenny Hermoso. Jenny Hermoso dropped into like a number six position to pass back the ball, made a sprint to the top of the penalty box to attack and between then, Lika Martins took one touch and beat two Chelsea defenders. So it was like the first two goals were like a bit lucky, but the whole play footballistically was amazing. The third goal, Alexia Potea's first time pass into the box for Aitana Bormati. It was just, I think the Chelsea had a lot of different combinations, obviously very footballistically. But yeah, that mentality I think was really big, whereas Man City was a bit more strength and weaknesses focus uh, on a football on a football level. You see, there was one picture that I remember about with the Man City defense kind of reaching out to Mariona because they couldn't catch her. Um, but I think the 3-0 win in the first leg was obviously huge. I think they played against Man City's weakness and I think Man City has a lot more weaknesses than maybe Gareth Taylor likes to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Barcelona played to that really, really well and obviously second leg. Um, Barcelona lost, I'm pretty sure. Um, but I think that was just more of a let's sit back just a little bit more because we know what Man City can do with us and you don't really want to risk it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, Man City do have really good players individually. So I think it was more of a kind of handling the result and kind of making sure that they would go through. So I think both, both 
games are very, very different. And But I think the Arsenal game might be a bit closer to the Man City game in terms of kind of leveling it out, playing to weaknesses, playing to strengths and kind of just focusing on the football um, mm. rather than, I, I think it's a bit too early to kind of be really mentally like pushed forward to get a result. Um, so I think it'll be a bit more chilled than the Chelsea game. Yeah, and um, I mean, the thing is with this Barcelona team, we know they're brilliant at keeping the ball. And I, I guess what I've been told is if you get the ball, you can get at them, but good luck getting the ball is, is effectively what, what I've kind of been told. Um, I mean, you you made a little bit of reference earlier to the fullbacks, but what, yeah, what are the weaknesses in this Barca team? What are things that Arsenal can target when they do get the ball? I would say, yeah, the fullbacks um, would be kind of the main areas. Again, a Barcelona weakness is a very, weakness is a very quote-unquote kind of word to use there. But I think that space, because obviously one of the biggest aspects of Barcelona-style play is that their fullbacks get to attack a lot more and overlap the wingers. So if Arsenal managed to get the ball and played directly as they have been the start of the season, you know, get the ball up to hold and attack a 1v1 situation against a centre-back. I think that could definitely be it. Um, we've seen 1v1 defending in the full-backs, I think, can easily be gotten at. Mm. Um, I love Ana Maria Kronorcevic, but sometimes on a 1v1, she can be a little bit weak. Um, and I think Marta Torrejon as well. I think Marta is a really good player growing up, distributing and everything, but on a 1v1, again, she can get beat. I wouldn't say easily. It's definitely not going to be easy, but I mm. think that's a, an area that they can definitely get beat at. And another thing that Barcelona have struggled with recently has been set pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much in the league, but in their preseason when, when they went to the States and played Lyon and um, Houston Dash, I think, or Portland. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Houston Dash. Um, I would say probably four out of their six goals were from set pieces. So I think that's, and obviously I know Tim, you, I think you asked a question to Jonas about the the set pieces and kind of that he yeah. wants to get more out of the set pieces. So if they've been working on that in training, I think that's another aspect of how they can get to Barcelona. I mean, Mapi Leon, she's really not that tall. <laughs> um, identified this is a bit taller, but overall they're, they're not really a tall team. So if you have someone like Jen Beattie, um, you know, flying in, in the penalty box to get a header, I think she'll definitely win that. So I would say that Arsenal can definitely get at the wings and set pieces would be kind of their 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 biggest wins. And I think yeah. high press as well. Um, yeah, I'm really curious to see how Leah Williamson does with Alexia Puteas. Um, that's kind of my biggest matchup to watch. And you mentioned Jen Beattie there. It would be remiss of me not to mention that the last time Arsenal played Barcelona in the Champions League in 2012, they won, I think it was 7 or 8-1 on aggregate. Arsenal, actually. Um different Barcelona team I think it's fair to say and Jen Beattie scored a hat-trick in the second leg and I was there that day um, so I'm expecting uh, something very similar uh, from Jen Beattie on this occasion. Three headers from a corner is Exactly yeah yeah 3-0 we're, we're speaking that into existence. Um, I, I guess then who you know given that uh, you think that again relatively speaking that Barca can perhaps be got at through the wings and Arsenal have a lot of options at wide forward we all know Vivian Miedema is going to start up front. I'm interested in which two players you would play wide of Miedema to try and maybe a mixture of exploit um, that space, but also obviously being wary of the overlap and, and being able to get back and deal with it. Who would your wide players be from Arsenal? I think Beth Mead definitely has to be in there. 
Um, I mean, obviously, that's without talking how good Beth Mead has started the season. But just her as a player, she's really good at first. Her first touch is really good. So even if you're going for a long ball, she's able to bring down the ball right in front of her and keep possession of it. I think that's the most important bit when you're exploiting the wings. But also, she's really good at either holding the ball um, just literally just patiently waiting, holding the ball and just waiting for someone to to support her or going, taking on that 1v1, like I said, on, on the fullbacks. I think she's really good at that. So then on the other side, I think it just depends on what Jonas wants to do and like what he wants to exploit. Because if it's a 1v1, obviously Tobin Heath is one of the best for that. Um, mm-hmm. But potentially might be too soon to start against a team like Barcelona. So I think potentially, I think Caitlin Ford is more of a ball into space kind of sitting more of a winger I think Nikita Paris might be a better option to to have that 1v1 or even Katie McCabe um I think she's pretty decent but I think off I think I would pick Nikita Paris and Beth Mead um just because they're they're both doing really well and they can offer almost the same I don't I wouldn't say same style of play but like same but different um, yeah, yeah. And I think they could definitely have a bit of joy in space and one v ones, and and even they're they're good at pressing. So I think that's also one of the biggest things is that high press. Um, maybe you don't want to high press Barcelona because then you're going to be exhausted after ten minutes. Um, but they're good at getting the ball back, and they're kind of they're good fighters to to kind of push around players with the ball. And I think that could be really big as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think with Nikita Paris, if you just wanted to drop the ball in behind um, one of the fullbacks, she's she'd be pretty handy there. She's pretty quick across the ground. And if Barca play quite high up, then that's uh, that's potentially an option as well. My my last question then, um, what, well, maybe not my last question, we'll see. Um, what then would be your midfield three? Because you've highlighted that Barcelona midfield three as, um, you know, as like the really special part of the team. And, and I guess within that question, I'm thinking about, to what extent do you try to contain and to what extent do you think, well, okay, if they're going to leave us space, do we perhaps play someone in who can, you know, who can exploit some of that space? Who who would your midfield trio be for Arsenal? That's really hard because you don't, you, you don't stop Alexia Pukias. Um You can try really, really hard, but she'll just come up with some ridiculous touch and she'll just dance around you like no tomorrow. Like you can think like Kim Little, times 10 potentially on like the same technical level of just getting balls that she has no business getting um, or just touches are just ridiculous. But I think, I know Jonas doesn't really like it, but like having a back two who kind of sit deep might not mm. be terrible because Alexia Podias in particular, she likes to exploit that middle kind of attacking. So at some point you can probably have four attackers with Alexia Podias and whoever plays in the middle. Um, and Alexia and Nagdana in particular play really, really high. So when they get the ball, there's a big gap between them and kind of the, I wouldn't say a gap just because that's not the part of Barcelona, but they do play really, they play closer to the forwards and they do to the defenders, um, even their six. But as a midfield, I think I would in this case probably start Kim Little. I've been really liking Kim Little far forward. I know yeah. it's potentially because Jordan Nobbs is there and that's what kind of Jordan would be doing, but I've been really enjoying Kim Little playing really high. Um, even that goal against, uh, her goal yesterday against Aston Villa, she received the ball just as a number nine, like at the top of the box. Um, so I've been, I've personally been really enjoying Kim there, but I, I think I would leave her there just because of mm-hmm. her performances so far. 
And then behind her, I think I would go with... <clears throat> I would go with Manum as a six over Leo Valti. Okay. That, hurt, that, hurts, a li- that hurts a little bit to say. <laughs> um, but I think Manum is just a tad bit more direct than Leo is. Um, that has nothing... I mean, it's, that was a really hard choice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would put Manum and then Iwabuchi potentially as the eight. Um, Interesting. I don't honestly. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. It was, I think the biggest part was for me was either Leo Valti or or, or Manum. Um, but I think Kim. I think my definite one is Kim as a ten as that that high midfielder. Definitely. I don't know, Tim. What do you think? Well, he he played Kim, Frieda, Manum, and Leo Valti together against Aston Villa, and I was. Um, it's weird. Well, I say I was surprised by it. I did actually predict it. Um, which which I felt for that game was slightly conservative um maybe because you've got three players there who who kind of all operate deeper in a sense um you know kim and Frieda very much with the intention of going forward still but they tend to start a bit deeper and obviously we saw how things changed when mano iwabuchi came on in the second half I, i wondered though whether he played them together as a bit of a trial run for Barcelona, so I do wonder whether we'll see like a, a Leo Valti, Friedemann and double pivot with Kim ahead of them. Um, there again, Jordan didn't get off the bench against Aston Villa, and you can read that two ways. Was he saving her, or does that just mean that she's she's not going to be quite ready for a game like this because she's only um, started once since coming back from injury? So he's definitely got a lot of options there, but if, if I was going to put money on it, I think he might play um, Frida, Leo Valti and Kim Little. And I think he might play Mana Iwabuchi wide, but with the intention of her kind of tucking in a little bit off the ball. So making it a bit more of a solid midfield block, um, having her coming in off one of the flanks, maybe the left flank and then Beth over on the right. So maybe like tilting things a little bit so that Mana can receive that ball on the left and then maybe look to go cross field quickly to Beth on the right. So you've got Beth and Viv kind of not cut off from the team, but, you know, as the as the two forwards. So that that's my prediction. No idea if it's the right way to go. Fr- frankly, it might not even matter. <laughs> Given the strength of Barcelona's midfield, um, you know, he, he could probably put any combination out and it's it's going to be a very 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 tough ask but yeah that that's that's my prediction i think i think he played that midfield three against villa to see them together and i think he he didn't start manor but i think he'll start manor as as a wide left come fourth midfielder just to make it a bit more of a solid block in there that's that's my prediction anyway but we'll see yeah i think because as i mentioned you know obviously alexia plays wide so i think I would agree with you and play that maybe that double pivot might be the way to go just because of how high Barcelona attack. I mean, they have a front three, but they're again, a very like the men's team who's they're positionally fluid in the fact that Jenny Hermoso, for example, hasn't been playing. So Mariona plays as a winger, but she's been playing as a nine. So they they've had some games where they don't, they literally don't have a striker um, and everyone just kind of takes up the position as they see fit. Um, so I think with Arsenal, I think it's going to be the biggest challenge and I'm really curious to see how Arsenal and Jonas handle it is that attack, overwhelming attacking presence from the midfield that I don't think you really see that much in the WSL. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't really think there's a player like Alexia who plays such well attacking football from a number 10 position. 
Um, obviously, probably people think otherwise, but I don't think there is a player like Alexia and, and the way she plays with the attack. Um, so I'm really curious. I think it'll be too much for our centre-backs to handle. Um, and I do think that potentially a, a, a double pivot might be the way to go, but who knows? Yeah, because they flood you, right, Barca? It's one of those where when they've got the ball in midfield, they look like they've got about 10 players there. And then when they progress the ball up front, they look like they've got 10 players up there. It's just almost like that flying V thing that's, yeah, they they really suffocate you um, basically because they don't cough the ball up. So it, it, it is, it's going to take like a lot of concentration and obviously Arsenal aren't really used. I mean, I, I guess against Man City, they only had about 33% of the ball or something, but I think they were very comfortable. This is going to be a stressful evening. There's going to be a lot of concentration needed. And like you say, like they're, they're not even, they have Asa Oshwala, who a lot of Arsenal fans might remember, um, who they were kind of playing as, as a striker quite a bit um, in the last couple of seasons, but have kind of gone away from that. Um, I think it's fair to say over the last few months or so, uh, albeit she remains an option <laughs> um, to bring in just as, yeah, just as uh, like a bit of an exclamation point. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a different challenge for Arsenal. It's going to, it's going to be a stressful evening. Um, for them but um, nevertheless like you say that we do Arsenal do have some tools to hurt Barcelona um, and a, a point I'd be absolutely ecstatic with in either of these games to be honest but looking forward to seeing Barcelona looking forward to seeing how Arsenal handle the challenge as well um, but Alex we better leave it there thanks for your insight as always no, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited talking about this. I'm just, I feel like everything I say is just going to go wrong just because I think this game is really unpredictable from both sides. You don't really know how well Arsenal are going to do and you don't really know what Barcelona are going to do. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm just really excited. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Me too. And obviously you will get the best coverage of the game on Ask Blog News. So we'll be speaking to Jonas on Monday evening. Um, so we'll have some kind of quotes from him on the website and obviously we'll speak to him after the game as well. We'll have the match preview up on Monday evening as usual, whenever you happen to be listening to this. Uh, but that's the time it will go up. And yeah, we, we might even do an analysis piece on it as well if it's not too painful. So we, we will go big on this game. But remember, you can watch it on Dazone's YouTube channel completely free of charge. No subscription required. 8 p.m. kickoff UK time on Tuesday evening make sure you tune in it's going to be an absolute humdinger um, but that's all we have time for for this episode thanks so much for listening um, and for sus subscribing and everything else um, and we will speak to you we will probably drop another podcast during the international break um, after the Everton game um, and we'll we'll think about what we do then but yeah that that gives us a nice little gap to drop another podcast but we we couldn't let this game go unremarked on particularly when we've got a co-host who understands and knows Barcelona very well so we wanted to tap into some of that knowledge hope you enjoyed the episode we'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.